several weeks ago, we started a, a series on, actually on Easter Sunday called Ephesus. And the word Ephesus, if you look it up, the word Ephesus really means desirable. And uh, through this series, what we're doing, we're taking each chapter, and this is our fourth week, we're in chapter four this week, We've been going through each chapter and finding out just how much God desires us in each chapter. And in chapter 1, uh, we really learned that we are blessed. We're talking about kind of the I am's because as you look through Ephesians, you're going to find a, a lot of places, even through the New Testament, but specifically Ephesians. When you're looking through Ephesians, you're going to see a lot of things that who you are, what you can do, what you have because of Christ. These are kind of like the in him realities or the I am's because of the great I am. Amen. And the first week we talked about I am blessed we're blessed. You know, you can be happy because of favorable circumstances, but you can only be blessed because of Christ. And I know people say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, but if, if they don't have Christ, they're truly not blessed. They're really just saying, I'm happy. Christ blesses us. And we found out that through that blessing, being blessed by Him, it's because we've been chosen, we've been adopted, we've been forgiven, and He treasures us. Not only does He treasure us, He is our treasure. Amen. And in week two or chapter two, we learned that we are alive. You know, once every single one of us were dead in our sins. We were dead, but God, because of Christ and our faith in him, raised us with Christ from the dead. We become alive in God. Amen? I need you to get excited with me a little bit this morning. Praise the Lord. So we were dead, but now we're alive, and he, and he made us to be a masterpiece. He, he created us to be a masterpiece to do good works for him. And it's, it's not, you're not just uh, uh, you know, one in a million, or you're not even just one in a billion. You are one of a kind. There is no one like you. There has never been anyone like you, and there will never be anyone like you after we leave this earth. You're one of a kind, created and fashioned by God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that exciting? And we're created for a specific purpose. And then we found out that we're loved. Man, you know, because of what Jesus did, he made access for us to be able to come to the throne room of God anytime we need, anytime we want. If we just want to hang out, if we're in need of something, if we're desperate, we can come straight in. We don't have to make an appointment. We can just come straight to the throne room of God. We always belong in his presence. Can you say amen? amen? And with that love, knowing that we're loved, uh, it's a love that never ends. And last week, I, I love this as we kind of went through this, that, you know, it's a love that takes off the limits. God's love takes off the limits. You know, we limit ourselves. We allow the enemy to, to limit us. We allow even other people to limit us. But God, when it comes to his love, there's, there's no limit to what you can do in his love. You can go as wide as you want in God. You can go as deep as you want in God's love. You can go as high as you want in Him. There are no limits. He wants you to overflow in what He has for you. Amen? So today we're going to talk about I am called. Now, the first three chapters of Ephesians really talks about what God has done for us. And the last three chapters of Ephesians, really, it's, it's a challenge and shows us some of the things that we are as partners with God, some of the things that are required of us to work with Him because of what He has done in us. Are you with me? So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. This is going to be, uh, you know, 
Sometimes we don't necessarily go, we go through the chapter, but kind of finding out the, uh, the main things of each chapter just because of, of time's sake and everything. But we're going to do a little bit more of a line-by-line line in this chapter. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1 says this. The very first word Paul says is, therefore. Now, this therefore, this word is very significant because it has to say everything that we've just talked about in chapter 1, 2, and 3, because you're blessed, because uh, uh, you're alive, because you are loved, therefore. It comes up to it. Therefore, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you have been called. Now, I want to stop we're going to look at this verse for a minute as we kind of set this up in this chapter. Therefore, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Because you're alive, because you are blessed in Christ, because you are loved and you're overflowing and all that he has done for you, I want you to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling by which you have been called. Now, there's some important words here. One of the words is implore. There's really, with the word implore, he's saying, I, I, I'm, I'm imploring you. It's really, there's, there's a begging and a pleading involved. It's really, another definition of that word is to call to. I'm calling you to this way. I'm calling you to this right here. To walk is what he said. To walk. That's to tread around and uh, as, uh, to regulate one's life. I love this definition of it in the Greek where it says, as proof of ability, as proof of what Christ has done in you, because you're alive, because you're blessed, because you're loved, as proof, I want you to walk in this manner worthy of the Lord. And that the word manner, worthy manner, or it is like a worthy manner or manner worthy, I love the one definition of that where it talks about being weighty. There's a, there's a weight to it and a worth to it. You kind of think about when I think about that, you know, I kind of think about maybe, uh, maybe a jeweler, you know, someone professional in, 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 as a jeweler, or maybe an artist, um, you know, they're, maybe they're uh, an art buyer or whatever, or seller, and they're, they're, they're masterful at, at being able to spot a fake from the real. Or even you go into a jeweler and they can, they can you know, even some of them, they're so good, they can even just kind of weigh things out and be like, oh, that's got some weight to it. That's, that's you know, probably some, some realness in there. And they check it out, maybe they bite it, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what you guys do. He's going, kind of, oh, yeah, that's real, man. My molar. Just kidding. <laughs> but there's a weightiness to what God has done, and there's a weightiness by which we are to walk and to please God in the calling with which he has called us. And this calling, it's, it's awesome because the calling, that, and we're going to get to that in just a moment in the next verse, this calling is really, it means to call in a loud voice. God is calling to you right now, and it's in a loud voice. He's he's inviting you. It's an invitation. It's it's even to the place where that calling in the Greek really means by name. He's calling you by name. And you don't really hear it with your natural ear or really in your mind. It don't seem, sometimes when God speaks, it can feel like it's kind of loud in that way, but it's really loud in your spirit. He's calling to your spirit. I remember when I was a young boy, I think I was younger, I guess, I think I was like 13 or 14 or something like that, and one night, I just kind of, one of those days, uh, just really tired, and I ended up going to bed kind of early, and I laid down, and 
as I was laying there, I felt like my mom called me. I just heard my name called, and it was so soft. It was like a whisper, but it felt so real and so loud. It just said, Jeff. And, I, and, I, and it startled me. I, I almost felt like the way that it felt so close that I felt like my mom was trying to get my attention and that she had just spoke it like in my ear, Jeff, while I was sleeping. And I, and I woke up, and she wasn't there. I thought maybe, you know, one of those things where you hit the snooze and you go back to sleep. So I went downstairs, and my mom was still up, and I'm like, hey, mom, did you just call me? Because I, you know, I heard my name called, and she says, no, I didn't. And we began to talk about it, and she said, I can't remember if it was with my mother or just with my grandmother or both, uh, had that experience where just that calling. God's whispering to every single one of us right now to a higher call, a higher standard of walking in a manner that's worthy of the call by which he is calling you to by name. He loves you. He knows you by name. And the first thing I want you to see that what you're called to is the first thing that you're called to is to kingdom living. You're called to kingdom living. And, you know, there's, there's groups out there and people, I mean, we can, we can all be prideful in our, in our own ways here and there, but kingdom living doesn't make you better than anybody else. It doesn't make you better than other people, but it does make you better than yourself. It makes you better than who you used to be. It enables you to be more than what you could be without Christ. It doesn't make you better than anybody else. It makes you better than you. Amen? And God is calling you to live your life with the proof of the weight that Christ is within. Now, as we look at this, he was talking about, you know, walking in a manner that's worthy of the call by which you've been called. And this kingdom living, it goes into verse number 2. Uh, the kingdom lifestyle or answering the call is this walk in a manner worthy of the call by which you've been called with all humility. Man, I mean, he comes out punching. It's like Muhammad Ali or something, you know, coming right into the ring, ready to take you down. He's going to hit right for the main thing. He wants you to walk and live a lifestyle of humility. Amen? And that humility really is a lowliness of mind where well, you're not looking at other people and thinking that you're better than they are or thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. We're looking at each other. There, there's so much to learn from one another. I, I've been looking at it this way a lot, a lot more recently over the last year of there's always that, you know, you, you can be jealous of somebody else or whatever, this or that, and you kind of do self-comparison and, and that, that's, the Bible says that's wrong. You should never compare yourself with yourself. Jesus is our standard. He's who we compare ourselves to. Amen, whatever it is. And, and, and looking at this, I like to see there's so much diversity in God. It's awesome just to see. I mean, God will not express his fullness just through you. He, he's so big, you can't handle all the expression of God through you. It takes a diversity. And to turn your thinking of looking at that you may be better than somebody else or higher than somebody else and, and just to be able to see maybe the gifting or the calling or the talents or things that are in them that really are designed and came from God to be able to give glory to God because of how God wants to express himself through another different individual. Amen? Isn't it awesome? So the first thing of the kingdom lifestyle is to live with all humility, that calling. The second one is in all gentleness. Now, this gentleness doesn't mean just like, oh, that's nice, brother. You know, it's not, it's not like that or, you know, picking up a baby gentle. Oh, be careful. 
Now, this gentleness in the Greek really means this, not occupied with self. Considering others first. First, you're not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, but then you're coming to gentleness where you're not self-centered on yourself. You're not centered just on you. You're thinking, it goes way beyond. You're thinking of others, even to the place of being able to put them first. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? And then he says uh, this call, a walk you know, in that call by which you've been called, that kingdom living with all humility and with gentleness, with patience. That patience really is an endurance, a steadfastness. Endurance to be able to get to the end. Steadfastness or could really be like a stick to itiveness. You're going to stick to it. You're not just going to give up so quickly. You want to endure to the end. And sometimes, and I know we don't like this word, but sometimes it means long suffering. Doesn't mean, you know, long suffering doesn't mean, you know, that, you know, you have to endure under, under certain things that, you know, uh, just go through. God don't want us to suffer. But there are things that are hardships at times that may not be pleasing to us, but God will still turn it out. We've got to put our trust and reliance and hope in Him. Amen? This is the kingdom lifestyle that He has for us, walking in humility, walking in gentleness, walking with patience. And the last one, He says, showing tolerance. You know what tolerance means? Putting up with. I mean, come on, somebody's got people in their lives like, you know, I have a hard time putting up with that person. And... What's exciting about this is the first time I saw this, he says, in all humility, all gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. You're not able to do these things without the love of God. You can't show tolerance to someone else, people that are hard to put up with, without the love of God. It takes that from him. These things, before we knew Christ, these things were, were really, you know, in our own strength. We always fell short in these things. But, but now, because of Christ living on the inside and his indwelling spirit, these things are possible for us to be able to walk in humility where we don't view ourselves haughtily more highly than somebody else, where we can put other people first where we can be patient, where we, can't, we couldn't have been patient before, where we can tolerate other people's immaturity as they're growing in, in maturity. Amen? Hallelujah. So the first thing that he called us to is to walk in kingdom living. The second thing he called us to is that you are called to kingdom unity. You're called to kingdom unity. This is, there's a different standard. We're, when, we, when we become believers in Jesus Christ, we become part of his kingdom. Another way to say that is we become part of his family. And in God's family, there is a standard. There's a standard in your home, right? You have a standard of what you allow, what you don't allow, things that you accept or whatever. God has the same thing within his kingdom. There's standards that he has. And one of the things he's called us to as believers, he's called us to kingdom unity. In verse number three, he says this, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Man, there is power in unity. You know, I just read this recently, and uh, you probably read the scripture in, uh, in Psalms uh, chapter 133. It talks about unity, you know, how, how blessed 
are those who dwell together in unity. It gives a description. It's like, it's like the, the holy anointing oil that's poured on the top of the priestly head of Aaron, and it flows down. I mean, it wasn't just a sprinkle, not just like a little bottle that we got. They, got the, they poured it on until it came over his head and oozed down his beard and his garments until it touched the earth. It rolled down him. And that talks about the connection that the priesthood with Aaron had with heaven. The anointing of heaven flowing down over the priest, saturating them. The unity, not with just one another, but the unity with heaven. One another with heaven. And what he wants to do within the earth. Amen? So... He says, be diligent in. That word diligent means to make haste. To, there's an effort involved. There's labor, even a studying and a searching out to preserve, to watch over, to guard uh, from loss or injury. Man, we're supposed to be watching over the unity of what God wants to do in our services together, in our lives together, as believers, in our community. God wants to pour out his holy anointing oil over this community, over this area. And as we as believers come together in unity with heaven, we make that spout even wider. Instead of it just being over an individual like Aaron or that priest that could only go once a year into his presence, we as believers can go anytime we want. And as we come together in unity, we make a, a big base or a big uh, faucet, so to say, where heaven can pour out in our area and in our lives. Amen? The, the unity... You know, of course, we know it means oneness, but another thing that it means is undivided opinion. And I love what the word bond means. It's not just a binding. It's, it actually gives, uh, in the Greek, it actually gives a, 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 a kind of a vision of a ligament. Like, it's the part, this unity is the part that binds other parts together. Isn't that awesome? It's like a ligament, putting, you know, arm to the, you know, whatever, the hand to the, to the forearm here and to the upper arm, whatever that is, you know, and the shoulder, so forth, and even muscles. It's just those ligaments. It's the attaching, it's the joint part that, that brings it together, that, the, the joint tie, so to say, and it's done in peace. And this, there's a seven-point unity that he, that he has really going in from verse 4 to 6, where to be diligent to preserve the unity, the bond of peace, and he says this. This is the seven points of unity. There is one body. Remember, this, this is where, as believers, we should all come to an agreement with. This is what God desires for us. This is what's going to increase His anointing upon in our lives and upon the earth because we're not just agreeing with one another. We are agreeing with heaven. We're agreeing with God's Word. There is one body. Even though we, we know, we're, 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 you know we're considered the body of Christ here, you know, kind of a local body, but then there's the universal body. We're, we're connected to every other person who, who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ. We're part of that bigger body that we can't see, right? The hand is on the outside. It can't see my heart, but it's part of the body. Amen? There's one body. There's one spirit, Holy Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, there's one hope of your calling. There's one Lord. There's one faith. One baptism. Now there's other baptism that the Bible talks about, you know, there, but this is, this is talking about really going into the, the baptism into the body of Christ or into the family of God. You can't have the other baptisms without coming into the family of God. Amen. Being baptized into the body of Christ through the blood of Jesus by your faith and what he has done for you. 
There's one God and Father who is over all and in all and through all. Amen? These are, these are the bonds of, of unity. You know, the Tower of Babel, you see it in, in uh, I can't remember what chapter it is in Genesis, but uh, it was after the flood and, and uh, people gathered together at that time in the earth. They were all of one, uh, one language and uh, they decided to come together. They didn't want it to be dispersed abroad. They wanted to stay together and they wanted to build a tower that would reach into the heavens. And the reason they were doing this, it's not like they literally believed they could overthrow heaven, but they wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to be known and God created us to make him known. So here, they began to do this, and they were doing a great job. Even God himself in the scriptures said, you know, they are of, they're, they're, they're in unity. They're of one accord. They're speaking the same language. Their heart is to do the same thing. There is nothing that they will not be able to accomplish because of unity. So he confused them. He confused them, and that's where, you know, whether you believe it or not, I believe that's where the different languages come in, and all of a sudden, they began to speak different languages, and they couldn't understand each other, and of course, they probably began to congregate towards their, their language or where they are, and then they began to disperse throughout the earth. But because they were in unison, there was nothing that they couldn't accomplish. How much more, if we would come together, you know, uh, there's so much segregation within the body of Christ right now, but God is, God is setting those things down and people, even in denominations right now that, uh, you know, have believed it's, you know, me and my four and no more, and they, they discard every other denomination that's out there. They're coming to, the, to the, the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, we are one body. And we may have some different agreements, but the main, disagreements, but the main thing is that there is one body. There is one spirit. There is one hope of our calling that we will be with the Lord when this is all said and done. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, I heard someone say this one time. They said, uh, some people want to make a name. And it's all about me and everyone is the enemy. Some people want to make a name. It's all about me. Everyone's the enemy. Some people want to make a difference. It's all about them and their cause. And the competition is the enemy. And then there's those who want to make history. And it's all about Jesus. And the enemy is the devil. I don't know about you. I want to make history. I want to make history. We're not trying to make... We're, we were never created to make people like us. Amen? When God said, go out and make disciples, he didn't say, go out and make people who are just like you. No, go out and teach them all that I've taught you to do so they can become like me. Amen? So that goes into the third point. You're called to grow God's kingdom. You're called to kingdom living. You're called to kingdom unity. You're called to grow God's kingdom. Ephesians 1 or Ephesians 4, 7 says this, but each one of us, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measurement of Christ's gift. To each one of you, grace was given. That grace is, is gifts. That grace is abilities. One of my favorite definitions of the word grace is this, divine enablements, because it comes from God. You were graced with divine enablements that came from Christ. Now, I want to I differentiate between some things here because he goes down in and begins to talk about 
you know, how Christ came from earth and then uh, he went, you know, down to the lower hearts of the earth and he came up, he, he gave gifts to men. And in verse number 11, he says this, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Okay? But this just isn't the fivefold as, as, you know, so many years that we have been taught, it's only the fivefold ministry. Because he says in the beginning of this verse, to each one of us was given. Not every person is called to be a pastor that runs a church, right? Not everyone's called to be an evangelist that has a ministry and goes out. But there are every one of us, we, we fall into these categories of the gifts of Christ, whether it's like an apostolic gift where there's kind of like a, like a builder and a, a in, in, in impartations and an establisher or like a prophet. Uh, it's speaking by inspiration of the Lord or, or like an evangelist that kind of reminds us and points us to the cross and the mission of why we're even here and why Jesus saved us. Every one of us have these gifts inside of us. Amen? He's given these gifts to us. Pastors, teachers, Pastors are like nurturers. Teachers are expounders. And the purpose of these are for the equipping of the saints. You know, we, we equip here, you know, in, in our church, we're, we consider ourselves kind of a, a training ground to equip people to go out and do what God calls, has called you to do. That's our hearts. What Natasha and I want the most, and the leaders here, that what we want the most, we want every single person that comes in as much as possible as we can help them to find out who God created them to be and what he created them to do. Amen. We want everyone to know why they were created and what they're created for and then walk it out. That's exciting. Now, we do our part here, you know, with the fivefold things that God has given us. But even when we're together, you know, there's people in here. One person that sticks out to me, Brother Dan uh, Kreider, you know, he may never be called to, to pastor a church, but he has he has the gift of a pastor within him. He's so nurturing. Just how he nurtures people and loves on people and takes care of people. Amen? Every one of us has, has been graced with a gift from Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? Am I moving ahead? Am I, we're staying together? Praise the Lord. So they're given for the equipping of the saints to make them ready to prepare them for the work of of service or ministry or the mission to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain or arrive to the unity of the faith. There it goes back into the unity. And the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed. Uh-oh. Little buddy. <laughs> He's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so, so these gifts are given in order to, to equip the, the saints to do the work of the ministry or the work of the mission to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature or perfect man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result of that happening, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Not to be children anymore. But to, 
and, and the trickery of man, the craftiness and sheeming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Here we're to grow the kingdom. We're to grow up in the kingdom. We are to grow the kingdom in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. There it is again, those ligaments, that unity building up the body of Christ. According to the proper working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, I like this. Uh, talks about here the proper working. That's really kind of like the, the measure, the operation, or the, another word for that is even the efficiency. Um, this is why it's important for us to really seek after God and find out exactly what He has for us. We're, not all, we're, not all, we're, all, we're all graced differently. We've all been given grace. We've all been given faith that God wants us to grow in. We have a specific call, a specific place, a specific position that he has for us, a specific person, our, our purpose. He says that for that proper working within where we are within the body, that there's a proper measure given to us to be able to do what he's called us to do in our place. Are you with me? A, a, a proper operation that he has for us to do. And we will function most efficiently when we're in the proper place using the proper measure. You can't function on somebody else's measure. You won't be efficient in somebody else's place. God places in the body as He desires each person to be. And you'll be most efficient where God places you. Amen? Are you with me? So we're called to kingdom living, called to kingdom unity, called to grow God kingdom, God's kingdom. And lastly, you're called to show God's kingdom. You're called to show God's kingdom. And really, he takes the last little bit here of this chapter, and I've, I've encouraged you guys to kind of uh, come along on our journey as we go through this. We've got a couple more weeks just to be reading through the book of Ephesians. But Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse number 17, he says this, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do. Now, the word Gentiles there it really is, it doesn't just mean you know different from uh, Jews, you know, we know that if, if you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile, but it's not just meaning like, you know, diversity in that way. It really means unbelievers. I say this, no longer live as the unbelievers do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. You know, God has called us to live different. There's many places in the Scripture as we, as we come to Him, He calls us to come out and be you separate. doesn't mean that we can't, you know, that we disassociate with everybody because then how are we going to win people to Jesus? Amen? But we're not called to be the light in the light. We're called to be the light in the darkness. Just like everybody else, you know, we were blind at one time. We were hardened in our heart against God until God revealed himself. And we, because of his kindness and his goodness, as it says, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Because of the greatness of his kindness poured out upon us and the, the choice that he has gives us to, to be able to make that choice to say yes or no to him, because of his overwhelming kindness, we decided to say yes. And his light shined upon us. 
And it's just like we talked about at the beginning of the year. You know, our theme for this year is to rescue. Everybody needs rescued. Every single person needs rescued. And the moment you are rescued, you become a rescuer. The moment you step into a light, God gives you a kingdom flashlight to be the light in the darkness. Somewhere else. Amen. And I could turn a flashlight. We could go outside. Probably, it might shine today because it's kind of overcasty. But if I took a flashlight and I turn it on in the light, you won't be able to see it as much. But if I take a flashlight and I turn it on in the darkness, all of a sudden I become an example to other people. I become, I'm the one that has the flashlight to be able to point the way to somebody else who's in darkness. Whether it be through ignorance or hardness of heart, whatever it is, I become that example that there is more. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. He said they're hopelessly confused. Every one of us was hopelessly confused without Christ. But in Christ, there is no hopelessness. Amen? And he says, uh, verse number 20, this is not the way that you learned about Christ. Talking about the way that we used to live as unbelievers. That's not the way that you, that you learned him. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off the old sinful Nature. Here's a part that we have to do. We're, we're called to show the kingdom. We show the kingdom by not living like the world lives. We throw off our old sinful nature. It's like taking off a garment. It gives a picture of, you know, the filth of, of a garment that's, that's filthy. We don't want to continue to walk around and, 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 and live the lifestyle that we used to live. We want to be different. And Christ is the one that has brought, brought us the freedom to be able to take that old garment off. Before we couldn't, but now we can. So he says, throw off your old sinful nature, your formal way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deceit. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. A lot of your Christian walk and a lot of the self-discipleship that God will take you through is going to be in the recorrection, the redirection, and the adjusting of your thoughts and your attitudes. Because your thoughts and your attitudes, if, if, if you line up with things that are contrary to the word of God, you will not be able to benefit from the kingdom position that he has for you. We have to continually readjust ourselves to kingdom thinking and, and, and the kingdom lifestyle and attitudes. Are you with me? He says, throw this off, but put on the new nature. So we cast something off. But we also have to put something on. We are to put on the new, cre the the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The new nature, it, it, it's easy. When we have the new nature on, it, it, it's by its own nature itself, it's created to be righteous and holy like God because of Jesus Christ. We take off the old nature, the old sinful self, and we put on the new nature that God created to be like him, righteous and holy. Now, he goes into several things here, and then we'll close. He goes into several things here talking about the, the difference now. We're to show the weight, the value of what Christ has done and our faith in him it should, it should be able to be seen in our lifestyle now to other people that we're connected to Jesus. And by being connected to him, we begin to produce his results in our lives. Or really by being connected to him, 
what he wants done through our lives, we're, cooked, we're hooked to him. We're cooked to him. We're, we're, sometimes you feel like you're getting cooked. But we're hooked to him, and, and the life of his spirit begins to produce the fruits of his spirit and the character of his spirit and the nature of his spirit. Just like before, maybe you struggle with, with being patient. You know, there, there's a lot of us struggle with being patient. But I tell you what, from the time that I got saved until now, I can tell because of staying connected to God, staying, you know, endured to him steadfastness, and sometimes through some long suffering, I have grown in my patience because I stayed connected to Jesus. Amen? We should continually be growing. Sometimes we... We're better examples to others than we are at other times. But that's where humility comes in too. You know, we don't try to play things off. If you, the best thing you can do is if you mess up before somebody else, especially someone that's a non-believer, is to tell them that you messed up. Say, this is not the way God would act. And I apologize for being a false example of that. At least you're showing the example of humility. Not saying, well, you know what, I'm right. It's like, you know, kind of the old, the old, parent, the old parenting thing. I'm right, you're wrong no matter what because you're the kid and I'm the parent. That goes well, right? Amen. So put on the new nature. Then he tells us this in the last couple of verses. He says, uh, by taking off the old and putting on the new, stop telling lies. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body. These are things, man, you'd be surprised how much uh, you could lie throughout the week just by holding back information because you know to, to tell a lie just doesn't mean, you know, to make up a story. It means to, uh, a lie is any attempt to deceit. It's, it's any intention to deceive. No matter, the lie is any intention to deceive. That means if you're adding to the story or if you're holding back information, any intent to deceive someone else is a lie. And I'm telling you what, whenever uh, I learned this, this principle here um, from Pastor Larry when I was up in, in 2012, uh, he said, the only way that you can correct this and stop lying, and, and I didn't even, you know, didn't even think about it until he taught us that, and then I began to see in my own life little things where I would embellish on things or I would hold back things. So you don't know until someone shines the light. I was darkened in my mind. It's not like I would go out on purpose trying to tell lies and be deceitful. But our hearts are deceitful. And he said, the only way you're going to be able to change this is in the moment that you tell the lie is to correct it. Right there in front of the person that you did it, you correct it. Well, no, sorry, no, the fish really wasn't this big. It was really this big. I apologize. You're not giving it place anymore. I'm choosing to take off the old man and put on the new man. And I'm doing it in a lifestyle situation so that it becomes normal. So that instead of going the other way where it's just so easy to embellish or to hold back information and lie, I'm more keen to be able to, to live out of the new man. Amen? He said to stop lying. Another thing he says is uh, don't let sin, uh, don't sin by letting anger control you. Man, my wife could be a test of this, man. Whenever there's certain things, especially whenever... Certain things I just didn't know how to do, and I would just try to do it on myself. I, I get so frustrated working on a car, uh, working on, you know, I was, I'm not very mechanically inclined. I've learned a lot of things over the years, but, man, I, I just get so frustrated. I used to get mad and yell at her, get away from me. I mean, it was, it was demonic. You know, you just might as well call it what it is. Anger can be demonic. 
And I wasn't like possessed with the devil, but I was, I was giving in. I was sinning by letting anger have me, throwing tools or whatever. And it wasn't until I, in the midst of wanting to throw the tool, and in my early years of being a Christian, I might have even have said some foul language. But I got control of it now because I submitted to God. Whenever I wanted to, or give a word, in the midst of wanting to do that, the Holy Spirit, because He's always wanting to lead us, He would, he would be there and remind me. I'd be like, okay. You know what I had to do? The only way that helped me, and it still does it today, I trust you, Lord. I need your help. I need your help, God. I don't know how to fix this stinking car. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. And he'll either show you how to do it or he'll show you somebody that knows how to do it who's willing to help you. But don't let anger have its way. We're different people now. Amen? Another one he says is quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for, for good work and, and, and then give generously to others. You know, if, if it's not yours, you know, we can't, you know, it comes, comes to stealing. It could be, it could be as simple as, uh, uh, you know, you're at work and, and, and you're over the mail department and uh, you have some letters that mailed and they got stamps. Hey, I need stamps. They got stamps. Boom. Putting a stamp on there that's not your stamp. It's not yours. It belongs to the company, right? That's stealing. It's not yours. He said, stop stealing. Whatever. If, if, if you're taking things that don't belong to you, stop doing that work so you can have your own, and then you can be, you'll be blessed to be able to give to others. Then you, hey, you can have stamps. Hey, I got stamps. You need a stamp? That was a bad thing. Anyhow, I'm willing to look like an idiot now and again. So the last thing he says is, and this can be a tough one, don't use foul or abusive language. And I think a lot of times, a lot of us fall way short in this area. It's hurtful words, as another translation says. Don't use hurtful words. Let everything you say be good and helpful. One translation says, let them be like beautiful gifts. So that your words will be an encouragement or an empowerment to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. One translation says, never take for granted His holy influence in your lives. God is trying to influence you in your everyday life. Don't take for granted His promptings to do what's right in representing His kingdom. When I choose to do my own way instead of following His holy influence, I get to the place where I'm beginning to grieve the Holy Spirit. I did this one time for, uh, I refuted the Lord, not knowingly. I was just, I was so bound by it. Every time the Lord told me to do something, I always looked at it in my own ability and I would say, I can't do it. I can't do that. I can't do that. I just felt like it was the lie of the enemy. I can't do that. And I can't, whatever he would say to do, I, I, I can't do that. That's, there's no way. And one day the Holy Spirit said this when he said that, and I repeated the same thing I always did. He said, you're getting this close to offending me. And I said, I don't, I don't want to offend you. And then he said, when I ask you to do something, I'm never asking you to do it in your own ability. I'm asking you to do it in mine. Meaning, trust in my ability in you to do it. Don't, don't take for granted his holy influence 
upon your life. Remember, he has identified you as his own, uh, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So he summarizes the last two verses. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all harsh words and slander, and all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And this this, that last verse set me free in a lot of areas, and it's still areas that I have to walk through today. I, I take it back to that, and I ask the Holy Spirit, because that's what He's there for. He's there to help you. Ask Him. If you're having trouble with anger, if you're having trouble with patience, if someone's bothering you and you're having a hard time putting up with them, ask the Holy Spirit who is there to help you. Give me strength. Show me what to do. You know, manifest yourself in my life. Help me, Holy Spirit. He will remind you. I've done it many times. Remind me this way this comes around next time. Holy Spirit, remind me before I say something I shouldn't. And he's faithful, and he'll be there. And at that moment that you want to say something, he'll say, remember you told me to ask you to, not to do that? I'm here. Don't do it. And then you still have a choice. He's not going to make you not do it, but he's going to give you the choice. You don't have to go that way. You can go the way of freedom. God wants us to live differently, right? He wants us to live the kingdom life. So he wants to live in kingdom unity. One mind, one heart, one motive, one purpose to do his will. He wants us to grow God's kingdom, and then he wants us to show God's kingdom to others. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Thank you, Father.